everything and just trust you and your will. And Lord, that you would be able to take these things into your hands and control them. And Lord, for the children, like, Lord, we just pray that not one would fall away. But Lord, that someday we would all stand before you, loving and singing around your throne, Lord, knowing that your grace was sufficient in this time. And Lord, I just, I pray that each one of them would have such a desire for you. And Lord, I just pray also for Nevin, Lord, that he would have repentance. And Lord, that his desire would not be for the things of this world, but for the things of you in in this time. Lord, I just give it all to you because I just know you're the best one to control it all. And I just want to see Shy and the children, Lord, be a testimony and a light to this world of the things that are the power of darkness that comes against them. But, Lord, we can shine as a light in these times. And, Lord, that that would be the testimony that is shined through in their lives. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Just a short little backstory I found out about this with that shooting. The officer, Callie, that was killed there, that has seven children, I believe. Um, so one of my trucks was involved in an accident in Boulder two days earlier, and he was one of the officers at that scene. And my driver, David, talked with him for quite a while. Well, he, wasn't, he was the second officer there, and so David was talking to him for, for a long time while the other officer wrote up the accident. And David said he was just an incredible guy. And just, he said there was no doubt that he loved the Lord. Like his testimony was just that bright, even talking with David. And it's amazing how God calls some of his servants home at different times. But yeah, what a testimony to leave behind in that way. But that's, yeah, let's do lift them up. Heavenly Father, I just... I lift up to you, Lord, each and every one that was involved in this and the situation that was there, Lord, the lives that were touched for good or for bad. But, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, even in these times, people seek you. They know there is a God, and they understand that they need a higher power to control their lives. And, Lord, in this time, I just pray that those that seek would find, Lord, not the comfort of this world, the psychology of this world that can help them, but Lord, the comfort and joy that comes from salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, that testimony that Officer Talley had, Lord, in these things, I pray that it would shine bright even in this time. That his children and his wife, Lord, that they would continue to serve you with all their heart. And Lord, it would be as a a banner for them to follow and to come underneath of it and say, we will follow you with all our heart. And Lord, I just, I pray that the victims and their families, Lord, the ones that were killed, I just pray that their families would just see you. Lord, it's hard in these these situations to see 
that you are at work. But Lord, I pray that they would find you. And Lord, that salvation and revival would happen in their lives. I just pray this in your name. Man, is there anyone else? We've got some time yet. Let's all stand and sing one more song, if you're able to. All my ways are known to you.
be seated. I'll try to time over. Okay, the children can come forward. It's right here. <laughs> Sorry, that was a cruel joke. You ready? You good? Your guitar is upside down, though. There we go. We got it right now. All right. Huh? You got a song, Tiff? You got... God's Not Dead? That's a good one. So you think we can keep Sherry away from the post today? Oh, today, okay. We got it's a new day today, right? Oh, come step this way. Good job. <laughs> All right. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, Woo! feel him all over me. God's not dead, no. So, woo, feel him all over me. Cast your burdens? Okay, we're going to have to do some new ones again then, because some of the people told me they're getting so bored with the old songs. Okay, so you guys have to do like so good with the old songs when we do them that they just can't get enough of them. Does that make sense? Because if you guys are up here, then they're going, oh, we've heard this one before. Right? So you guys have to put so much zip into these songs that they can't get enough of them. All right? All right. Okay, are you ready? Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you.
wanted Jesus For he cares for you Cast your burdens onto Jesus For he cares for you Higher, higher Okay, so what, what song do you guys want to sing next? Uh, Jesus loves me. Uh, we got to do one with harder motions. Sherry's back to her post again. Huh? Peter and John went to pray? Okay, uh, you're going to have to remind me how this goes. Where'd Willow disappear to? Oh, there she is. Never mind. I didn't see you down there tying your shoe. We're going to do Peter and John went to pray. i got to remember how this goes. All right. Oh, you're going to get in a circle? Circle up. Circle up. There you go. Here. Oh, no, you can just step right, step right in. Make a bigger circle. Make a bigger circle. There you go. There we go, right here. All right, we're not doing Ring Around the Rosie. All right.
what's another one? Uh, okay, you know what the song keeps sticking in my head all week? I just keep seeing you doing two good ones, ten bad ones, or whatever. Ten, twelve men, yeah. I keep thinking, or whichever way it is. Okay. Ah, uh, twelve men went to twelve men went to spy on Canaan, right? All right. How's it start again? You're gonna have to remind. Okay, what key you on? Then we're bad and two were good. Okay, so we gotta figure out the right key. Ten men went to hmm. Yeah, Jason said ten. <clears throat> um twelve men went to start that over. I, why do I say 10 every time? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. 12 men went to spot on looks lonely. I don't even hardly recognize it without somebody hanging on to it. We sang it faster? So, you know what I'm getting from that song? A lot of speed. That and my tongue gets all twisted up. So, I tell you what, we'll do it, we'll do it again, but you get to choose one adult to come up here and stand up here and help you. <laughs> Where's John? <laughs> hey, John, you couldn't disappoint a bunch of kids, could you? You gonna go? You gonna go get your dad? <laughs> wrong, wrong song. We already sang that one. 
Ten men went to spy on Canaan. <laughs> huh? Okay, can you do wrapped up, tied up? Well, you can figure it out. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. You can do it. Okay, here we go. What's up? G? Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, they're outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side. Inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus, I'm upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right, upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, I'm right, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, upright, downright, living right in God. Woo! <laughs> I haven't had that much fun for a long time singing that song. Yeah, you can be done now. That was your song. So I thought I'd... St- <laughs> I thought I'd start something new to keep it interesting is we'll just let one adult come up here every Sunday, whichever one the kids decide to pick, for whichever song they decide to pick. Okay, so you got to wait till next Sunday for the next person. What song? The Joy, Joy, Joy? Okay, Jesus Loves Me? We'll sing that one last, okay? We're going to sing the Joy, Joy, Joy. You got that one? You guys want to say where or you want to sing Joy, Joy, Joy? You want to do the joy, joy? You want them to do where? Okay, so we'll do where on the first, or they'll do the where on the first verse, and then you'll do the where on the second verse. You want to what? Okay, well, okay, let's do the joy, 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 and then we'll get read your Bible and Jesus loves me. I gotta run out of time here real fast. All right. Hmm? Yeah. Eh? Um, all right, you guys are going to ask the question, they're going to answer, and then on the second verse, I want to see if you can ask the question louder than them. I have no doubt. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Okay, 
hey, you got something to live up to. They did pretty good for a bunch of stuck-up, grown-up adults. I don't know. That was pretty good. You guys going to outdo them? Oh, okay. You guys got to outdo them. Okay, I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Down in the depths of my heart. Down in the depths of my heart. I've got the wonderful love of my blessed Redeemer way down in the depths of my heart. Down in the depths of my heart to stand. I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of crazy, ain't he? Uh-huh. <laughs> John didn't, he may have left the front, but he didn't stop doing the. Oh, yeah. What was the song you wanted? Read your Bible, pray every day? Huh? Mm-hmm. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. Pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. your Bible, forget to pray, forget to pray, forget to pray, don't read your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, 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 and you'll shrink, 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 and you'll shrink. Just short guys can't grow. We just stop. <sighs> okay. So Jesus, Jesus loves me, and then I got a story for you. All right. Jesus loves me.
guys can be seated right there. Children don't like stories, do they? You know, I came across a video. Well, that thing's got a mind of its own. Um, all right. I came across a video last night. You know you're not the only children that like stories? Uh-huh. I was reading a storybook the other night, and I had two kids sitting on either side of me that were so engrossed in the story, I couldn't believe it. You know what their names were? Thank you. One was Abe, and the other was Judd. And we were reading a story, and they were really, it was quite, it was quite intense. But it was, it was also close to midnight, and things weren't working quite as calculated up here as sometimes. Huh? They were nocturnal? You learned that big word in school. I'll let someone else describe it. Um, all right. You know why I like this story? Because it involves an axe. What? I made up stories. Oh, this isn't made up. You think of anywhere in the Bible it talks about an axe? No. What? Any story in the Bible you can think of with an axe? He raised it up. Elijah just said, raise up axe, and it raised it. Oh, right. God raised it up. That's right. That's right. For some reason, I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. It flew off its handle. You ever seen an axe head? You know, you got to ding that thing on there and keep it on there, you know. You don't want that flying off. Yeah. So it flew off, and what was the reason he was so worried about it? He borrowed it. So that tells us a lot about when we borrow something. It's not wrong to borrow, but it tells us to return it in the same shape we got it. All right. For a side note, I don't know why. Um, so this is, the story is called Courage, the Man with the Axe. Someone was pounding on the gate of the Inn of Eight Happiness. Gladys, Gladys Allward, you must come quickly. As Gladys followed the messenger, she could hear terrible screams coming from inside the local prison. It sounded like a riot. But why had the Mandarin sent for her? Confused, the small English woman bowed respectfully to the Mandarin who was standing with the governor of the prison. Thank goodness you have come, said the governor, wringing his hands. You must go in and stop the riot. Gladys was shocked. Me? Why don't you send in your soldiers? Impossible, the man cried. These prisoners are murderers and thieves. The soldiers would certainly be killed. But Gladys protested, if I went in there, they would kill me. Oh, no, said the governor. You tell our people that God lives inside you. If what you say is true, surely your God will protect you when you go inside the prison. Gladys stared at the two men. Were they making fun of her? But they were serious. She realized that if she did not believe God could protect her, she could forget about being a missionary in China. She swallowed hard just like John did before he came up. All right, she said slowly, open the gate. Gladys was so frightened, her knees were shaking. Inside the prison courtyard, a horrible sight greeted her. 
Prisoners were chasing one another around with knives and screaming like madmen. Dead and wounded prisoners were lying everywhere. And running straight towards her was a huge man holding an axe over his head. Gladys was terrified. She couldn't move. But when the man was only a few feet away, he suddenly stopped. One by one, the other prisoners stopped yelling and running and just looked at her. Who was this short little woman? What was she doing here? Suddenly, Gladys got mad. The man with the axe was just a big bully. Give me that axe, she demanded, holding out her hand. Without a word, the man handed her his axe. Gladys looked at the prisoners. They were dressed in dirty rags. They were so thin their ribs showed. They looked cold and miserable. Suddenly, instead of being afraid of them, she felt sorry for them. I have been sent by the governor of the prison to find out why you are fighting. At first, no one spoke. Then a young prisoner came forward. My name is Feng, he said. We don't know why we are fighting. But we are hungry and have nothing to do day after day. Gladys frowned. These men had been locked up like animals without enough food and no work to keep them busy. If you will promise to stop fighting and will bury the dead and take care of those who are wounded, I will speak to the governor for you, she said. The prisoners agreed. As Gladys stepped outside the prison, the city officials bowed to her with respect. She told the governor of the prison that the men needed to have work to do so they could earn money, buy food, and have self-respect. And she, Gladys Allward, was going to come back to visit the prison every day to make sure it happened. What about mighty little woman? Did you ever, you ever meet these little people of small stature and powerful, I don't know why, they can just kind of do things and make people do things. That's what I envision her as being. She wasn't very big, but boy, when she spoke, people listened. Courage is knowing God's power can help you do something hard, even when you feel scared. Mm-hmm. Now you do. Nope. It's truth. All right. For God has given us a spirit. Has, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy first one seven. All right. You guys can go back. Mm-hmm. together and uh, meeting together in the presence of the Lord and, and uh, you know when when that happens uh, sometimes strange things happen like uh, John getting up front and different things like that I remember a time not so not so long ago it would have taken a lot more than Noah to push John up there. <laughs> but I, I love it when, when, when you're when you're in the when you're in the presence of of the Lord and uh, you're coming together to worship Him. You, uh, it's we don't have to be some uh, you know we don't have to put on some formal show. We can just be who we are in in the Lord and. and 
worship the Lord together, and I feel that that's what's been happening this morning. So welcome to each one of you, and uh, I'm sure our, our fellowship and, and worship of the Lord will continue here for us this morning. Uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of uh, announcements to make. I don't think there's, see, what week is this? This is is this Bible study week? It's not Bible study week. Okay. So I don't think we really have anything planned as far as the week, as far as planned activities, but uh, we do have a uh, meal planned after the service as usual, so please do, if you're a visitor or anyone else, please do stay and enjoy that with us. That is a time of continued uh, fellowship with each other that we really enjoy and is, and I believe is really beneficial for our uh, relationships. So please do stay and enjoy a meal with us after the service. Uh, Phil will be bringing the word to us this morning, so let's bow our heads and uh, have a word of prayer and pray that the Lord would come speak to us through his word today. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to come together this morning. I thank you for meeting here with us. I thank you that we can come to you as we are and no matter our faults or failures or imperfections, but we can come to you and put ourselves before you as we are and, and worship you and, and you uh, receive that worship from us. And, and I pray, Father, that you would be honored and glorified by our meeting here this morning. And I pray now that as your words are spoken through your wit written word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that your, your word would be opened into our hearts and minds this morning. I pray for our brother Phil as he speaks that you would give him the words that each one of us need to hear and that we would be changed by your word this morning. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great blessings in church life is childlikeness. I'm sure somebody had some hotcakes or something. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, let the little children come to me. So for those of you who are wondering why we give the children so much time to be an integral part of the church service experience. This is why. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But when Jesus and the disciples rebuked them, no, 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 not you kids. You go off to Sunday school. You go off to your own little church service. We, the adults, are mature. We get to interact with God. Kids, you, you go over there and play. Jesus responded. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. You ever seen Jesus indignant? Angry? Like a flash of... Come on, parents, you know what that feels like, right? 
you've seen your child do something and you have one moment you're completely at rest and peace and laughing and having fun and the child does something and you something snaps out of you don't right you know that rising up out of you as a parent it's not sin it's strictness it's indignant now if you act on that anger and you speak on that anger and you don't let the Holy Spirit let you be angry and sin not, it'll quickly lead to sin. You'll sin against your child. I personally feel that when the boys disrespect their mom. And they know that. If anything can make me snap, it's that one thing. Don't you talk like that to your mother. That's my job. I'm the HUD, the head of my wife. And I respond when someone hurts. Your head responds very quickly when you get hurt. Another member hurts. This is how Jesus responded when his disciples said, No, 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 kids, you go over there. In fact, it's one of the only times that it says Jesus responded like this. He was indignant. And said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Wow. You want to enter the presence of God? That's the only way. And that's why we as a church do this. Because children, you are church. You are a part of our worship experience. We worship God together and we experience Jesus together. And we as adults are seeking to enter the kingdom of God, the presence of God, like who we are, his child. That's who we are as children. <clears throat> Even if we enter it sometimes like John did. Sometimes we're like that. The Holy Spirit is like Noah. <laughs> but at least we get to experience it. I have been uh, speaking... And we've been looking at the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us individually and to the church. But as I've been looking deeply into this subject, into this truth in my own life, the Lord has over and over is speaking these words and this. Have you ever been? In your pursuit of God. Impressed by men. And that impression was so strong that you began to follow these men. Follow their teaching. Listen to it regularly. And as you listened to that teaching, the more you listened, you were like that wise old owl who sat in the oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. And that's what happens to you. The more you listen to this godly man teaching his word, 
the less you speak and the less you think. And you just listen and you're intrigued, fascinated, and you begin to follow. Even act like him, maybe speak like him. This is natural. This is a natural phenomena that we're all familiar with, right? When we're impressed by another human being. And the Corinthian church was this fleshly. In verse 3, Paul says, For you are still fleshly. That means you're living with your flesh controlling you. The desires of your body and your mind and your eyes and what you hear, that's controlling you. That's what it means to be fleshly. Be controlled by your own emotions, by your own uh, the things you see and the things you hear, and, and you're being controlled by your flesh. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Who then is Paulus? Who is he? I'll tell you who he is. He's an eloquent man. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read about him in Acts. How he was ministering and he was well learned and educated and he spoke very well. He was very articulate. He was persuasive. He was passionate. And he was powerful. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Servants through whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. We're just servants. We're nothing but a waitress in the house of God. A waiter. Are you impressed by a waiter when you go to a restaurant? Are you impressed by the food? You're impressed by the cook, the chef, his handiwork. The waiter is just one who's just serving you. And unless, you know, she does a very excellent job in serving you, she's still just a waiter. Right? We're just servants. We're just serving God's people. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. We're nothing in regards to your spiritual growth. We can't make it happen. And when you and I Look to men or women, other human beings for our spiritual growth. You're going to the wrong source. It can't happen. And yet, God's people try it all the time. I've talked to so many people of God's people. And you know what they've told me? I've listened to hundreds of sermons I listen to this sermon every day, sometimes three times a day. And yet they're struggling. The husband or the wife is struggling in their marriage relationship. And they're fighting. And they can't seem to come to become overcomers of those differences. Rather, they're overcome with evil. Romans chapter 12, the end of the chapter. 
be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. They can't do that. And yet they're listening all day long while they drive to work, when they drive home to work, while they're driving down the road to sermons about this very subject. Many couples have gone to numerous marriage counselors and yet they end up divorcing each other. Many parents in their struggle to bring up their children in the atmosphere, the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, they're struggling to do so. So they listen to all kinds of child training sermons and read all kinds of child training books. But there's one thing missing. The presence of Jesus. As they're training their children. He's not there. And his Holy Spirit is not influencing the children's hearts. Many Christians go out into the world and we have normal jobs and we experience normal life. Just like every other human being, we face disappointment, we face frustration, we face cars that cut us off, we face, you know, all kinds of evil that is in the world, both temptation from the devil, our own flesh, and other people. And it drives us mad. Crazy, just like a normal human person. And so we, we want to listen to sermons because we want to be like Jesus. And so we find a, a brother, a, a pastor, a Bible teacher, somebody who speaks to this thing, this problem in our life. And we listen and we listen and we listen. But it doesn't change me. We wonder, what's the problem? And so, we just turn it off. Turn all of that off and live in our own little wisdom, our own little bubble. And we say, none of that helps. I'm turning it all off. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to quit listening to people. I'm going to quit everything. I'm just going to exist. Well, you've just become an agnostic. Agnostic is someone who believes there might be a God, Lucas. He believes there might be a God, but he doesn't really care. And he doesn't really, it doesn't do anything for him. That's the journey this church was on. And you might look at me and say, where are you going with this? What's the point, Phil? The point is, the point is, don't let a man become your only teacher. Don't look for teaching from a human being to teach you to be like Christ. Look to this person. First John. Chapter 2. Verse 25. And this is the promise which he himself made to me. To you, to us. Eternal life. That's his promise. Did you get that? Jesus made you and I a promise. I don't know about your kids, 
But if dad promises you something, they give you something or they tell you something and they say, I promise. It means something. One of the great privileges that I've had as a minister, a servant in the church, is to officiate weddings. And for some reason, the Lord has given me that wonderful, rich blessing over and over and over again. I don't even know why, but I count it one of the highest honors that God could have bestowed upon me, except that I'm his child. Because I get to stand just a couple feet from two young people who are promising their life to each other, and it's absolutely going to change their whole life and all eternity. And yet they do it with so much joy and so much meaning. And they walk down the aisle after they promise and they go out and life has completely changed forever for them as they know it. A lady leaves her house, the man leaves his home and they come together and they, they start a whole new life and everything in life they do together Together, they make their decisions together, they pray together, they eat together, they sleep together, they work together. They, everything in life is now together. And we all say, oh, of course, that's normal. But somehow with Jesus, we've lost this normal life. Eternal life is normal when Jesus makes his promise. That's the promise he's making to you and me. He is looking to you as his bride. He is your bridegroom. And when you respond, yes, when he does this to you, ugh, I can't get it off. And it gives you, asks you, as Ephesians 1 says, the Holy Spirit as the seal of his love. Will you take this ring? When you say yes, when you and I say yes, yes, this is the promise of love he gives to you and I. Not just a book, not this tattered book. Every promise, every word is a word of love to you and me. And he means everything he says in it. He means to do life eternal life with you and me for all eternity. These things, verse 26, I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. I know there's many. You see, we as servants, we have a problem. It's called self. We like to draw attention to ourselves while we're serving you the food. We like to distract you from the chef and somehow make it about me. So you see me. You're impressed with me. And you're, you're, you think it's me. That's great in your life. So you'll listen to me. You'll submit to me. You'll f me. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, 
the anointing which you have received from him, the seal of his love, the Holy Spirit now dwelling within you, taking this, all of these words and translating them, speaking them into your life with meaning. Do you know what that word translating means? Be like crazy as a preacher. Translators, when I travel across the world and I speak the word of Christ and I'm so full of passion and the burden that the Lord has given me to share, just like you, there's another guy who has to stand here right in front of me because none of these, very few of these people understand my English. And so I have to say uh, about a half a sentence, stand and look at him, and he says it. And I have to say another half a sentence, and then he says it. And by the time he's done, I'm thinking, I wonder what he's saying? And I forget what I was going to say. I usually look at him because I know these guys, some of them quite well. I've done it for years with them. I, I love you, brother, but I love to hate you right here, right now. You're just so frustrating. And that's exactly the frustration you and I experience every time we let another man translate this book for us. That's the very frustration you will experience. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. Really? Did he just say that to me? You, Phil, you're my bride, and you have no need to have an interpreter between me and you. I want to tell you everything. I want to explain everything to you. And Jesus is one of the best explainers you've ever married, ever met. Many times when he shares through the Gospels, it tells us, and Jesus explained it to the disciples when they asked. Did Jesus go get a Pharisee who had studied the law his life and say, here, you explain it to him. I'll give him the parable, and you explain it to him. You should know. You studied the law all your life. You're 75 years old. I'm just 30. I've never went to school of Gamaliel. I've never went to college. Why don't you explain it? You have their respect. But Jesus never did that, not even once. He still doesn't do that. Not even once. You have received the anointing and have no need for any to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. And no one can take that relationship from you. No one. Because when he explains his love letter to you through the Holy Spirit speaking that truth in your heart and you know it's true. You know it's not a lie. 
know it. That empowers you to do his will. And his words are living and are powerful. And they give you energy, spiritual wisdom and energy, strength in your inner man that no man's words can ever do to you. Even if he gets passionate and yells at you like I am right now. Can't do anything to you. You'll forget how passionate I was just said that in an hour. But he has the ability and he promises this promise with his words. In Hebrews chapter 8. Actually, I'll go to Hebrews chapter 10 or 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them. Jesus is promising to be your bridegroom. And this is the promise I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart. And upon their mind, I will write Writing his love letter on your heart and in your mind. No scripture memorization will ever do this to you. No human being can ever do this to you. But there is one who promises. He's made an everlasting covenant with those who will marry him. Who will say yes. No need that any man teach you because he will lead you into all truth. But the Corinthians were still fleshly. They weren't experiencing that. And so an Apollos and a Paul and a Peter, they could be of great influence in their life and give them a lot of problems. They became factions which divided them. And this is still the problem for us as Christians, as God's children in his kingdom. When we follow men, we become divided into different groups instead of one bridegroom. In verse 11, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul saying, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, Jesus Christ. And this is the foundation of his promise. I am your teacher. I am your husband. I now have the ability, the authority, and the love to change your whole life and make you my precious wife. And yes, you're going to leave your whole world behind. And from now on, you are mine and I am yours. 
And it's completely life-changing. And even though you may go back to doing work and jobs and all of this kind of thing, I remember many years ago when Katie and I went on our honeymoon, right after we got married. We went for two weeks. And I remember toward the end of the two weeks, we talked about how excited we were to get back to real life. Like, we're married, we're out here, we're just, you know, no cares, we don't have to go to work, we don't, no one's calling me, I don't have to get up and leave her and go to work. But it wasn't real. It wasn't going to last like that forever. We knew that. Sooner or later, our money was going to run out. And we couldn't stay in the hotel anymore. We couldn't keep going out to eat anymore. And so we talked about going back to real life. And we were excited. Like, this is going to be a whole new adventure. Like, I'm going to come home to you every night. And, I'll, and then I go to work. And what are you going to do through the day? And, but we're a married couple going home and doing real life together. That is what Jesus is promising to you. It's not that he's going to take us out of this life and put us into a honeymoon suite with him. It may happen once in a while at a revival meeting or a prayer meeting or where you take time out and all of the cares of life you just lay aside and it's, it's you and him. But you know that can't last forever. You've got to go out and make some money. Your food's going to run out. You've got to go out and do life together with Jesus. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, Jesus Christ. He and his love are it. That's it. I'm his wife. And I get to live in his house. I get to serve him. I get to, I get to bear fruit for him. I get to simply live in his life that he creates, has created for me while I do life. And that is who you call a Lord. Now he has become my husband, my Lord. That means he's all He's my head. He's the head of my life. He governs every function in my body. He governs me. And that's why in speaking about wives to husbands in 1 Peter 3, the Holy Spirit through Peter said, Wives, submit to your own husbands like Sarah did to Abraham, calling him Lord. Not capital Lord, small letter Lord. It's the same relationship, but on a different level, on a human level. He is your Lord, wife. He is your Lord. Capital Lord. And there are three things I would like to present to you for you to consider this morning about his Lordship. First, I want to establish this foundation of his relationship with us. And that's why I, I spoke for, I don't know, this last time about 
what lordship means. It means husband. It's your bridegroom. It's a husband to a wife relationship, doing life together. But he is the head, Lord, of my life. The first one. The first response you and I need to have with his lordship for it to become a personal experience is to confess him as Lord. That means when a girl says yes to a man and he becomes her husband, she, if she, I mean, of all the, I don't know, 30-some couples I was privileged to officiate their wedding for, if the man would have just stood here and just unloaded his heart of promises and promise, and I'm going to love you forever, and I'm going to do all this stuff to you, and the girl would just... Really? I don't know what to do with that. But what about them? What about my work? What about my school? What about what about my mom and my my dad and my really? What kind of a wedding do you are you experiencing right now? As you're witnessing that wedding. Uh-huh. Awkward. What in the world is going on here? I think as a... I don't know. I, I hope I never get to experience that, but I think I'd just say, hey, yeah, 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 let's just wait. Guys, I think the wedding's off. I'll preach you a sermon. This is what happens in heaven over many professing Christians' lives. Brides who just can't make up their minds. Not sure. It becomes really quiet and awkward in heaven. You know they're all watching us. You know that, right? Hebrews 12. We're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses and therefore because of that let's let's do this right let's run the race that is before us let's seek Jesus our high priest and marry him and do life together because they're all watching but when the woman responds with a confession you know what happens I now pronounce you husband and wife I present them to you, Mr. and Mrs. That's what happens. They are married. And when you and I confess, make that confession, we get married to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Look what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10. If you read through this chapter, 
before men. I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. The echo of heaven, the bridegroom answers, the bride. When we confess him before men, we get married. But if we don't, he calls off the wedding. The bridegroom doesn't hesitate. Sorry, guys, we're not ready. She's not ready. I thought she was, but you go back home. I'm not going to marry a woman like that. I won't enter into that relationship with someone like that. And he still does it. That's exactly what happens. He says, no, I didn't marry her. Hey, all of heaven, wedding off. I didn't marry her. But when we confess, wow. Yes. In Luke chapter 12, verse 8. And I say to you, Everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man shall confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Again, the celebration of the wedding is in front of all of heaven. In Revelation, and I want to share with you this truth. I don't know if you've ever read this truth in this context. In this context, but in Revelation um, chapter 12, verse 11, there was a war going on in heaven, but Satan was thrown out, and now salvation has come, and the wedding day is here. The wedding day is here. The accusers cast out. Verse 11, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the love of the Lamb. You could rightly put that word in there. He shed his blood because he loved. That's the only reason. He wants a bride. And he's willing to die for it. And he did die for it. And he will continue to lay down his life for his sheep. For those, his bride, just like any good husband does. For all eternity. But that's only half of the reason that they got married. And because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. We get to respond back to that same love. I'll give my blood also. And that's what happens to a married couple. Their flesh becomes one. And they both give themselves to each other. And they have children. And they become one flesh. No more two, but one. And so does Jesus. In this confession before heaven, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the love of the lamb, and because of the testimony, and they gave their life. Got married. Came. In this life. Is it because of this relationship? Seeking other things in your life. Chasing men. Eloquent men, constantly submitting your time and your ears and your mind to them. It's not wrong to listen to good preaching. Don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to get counsel and help. But all it is is a waitress. It's just help. 
It's not the anointing. It's not the words that are eternal life that bring an eternal relationship with us. It's just a help. It's just a planting. It's just a watering. It's God giving the increase. And that's the foundation where all the relationship, where all good gifts come from. I'm going to show you how John the Baptist, we call him because he baptized a lot, seen his ministry. In John chapter 3, verse 25, Verse 24, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. There arose therefore a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have borne witness, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And so this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase and I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. He is Lord. And when we confess him as Lord, it enters us into that relationship because it's echoed in heaven. It's also publicly announced in heaven. So first one, first step. To enter into this relationship, in case you're missing it, confession with your mouth. That woman is not his perfect bride when she confesses that. She, haven't, she hasn't proven anything of how good of a wife she's going to be. This is all by faith. He takes her at her word. And she's still who she always was. Her temperament doesn't change. Her, her likes and dislikes don't change that much. She's the human being she was, but she confesses and she enters into this relationship of love by faith. He takes her and by faith she receives him and now they go out and do life together. But somehow Satan stalls many wedding ceremonies, personal wedding ceremonies in heaven because the bride feels so unworthy. And somehow she feels like she has to go and prove what kind of a wife she'll be before she can be. You ever felt that? He who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard of that he bears witness and no man receives his witness. But this relationship Begins with a confession. Secondly, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it happens in the heart. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord 
in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you about being married to Jesus. Hey, I heard you got married. Yeah. You want to hear about it? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. You're in awe of your husband. And the tenderness, the gentleness of his love, as the psalmist said, has made you great. It's made me his bride. And so that gentle, tender spirit, you're dwelling in it, and you're in awe when you tell others. And when that happens in your heart, it's very important because the mouth confesses, and what the heart believes Righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10. With the heart, a man believes to righteousness. It becomes a right relationship when it's in the heart. When you give your heart, you sanctify. That word sanctify means you set it apart. That's what. We set our heart apart from all others and only give it to him. That's one of the vows that is commonly promised to couples tell each other. And I ask him that question. Do you promise before God and all these witnesses to give him your love and only to him? Above all others, I do. Oh, I can feel the joy pulsating through this woman. I mean, she's just radiant. She's in awe. She's like, it is awesome. And yet it's gentle, full of love, tender. It's a tender moment. I do. And her heart changes. It follows her words and becomes his. From that day forward, above all others. That's what happens when you and I sanctify him as Lord of our heart. And then we do life together. Confession. Confess him as Lord. Sanctify him as Lord in our heart. And then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. We do his lordship. We do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name even cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Wouldn't you be impressed? 
are you impressed with these people? Because they're right here. They're all around us. They say, Lord, Lord, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And the devil leaves. Be healed, sister, in the name of Jesus. And she's healed. Are you impressed? Are you sure they're married? Many will do that. And they'll fascinate many. And draw many away. But Jesus is a disappointed bride, bridegroom in the heavens. And it's an awkward moment. It's awkward. It's like that lady out there, you know. I'm married to this woman. And another woman jumps up and says, I'm married. And wherever she goes, she says, I'm married to Phil Lapp. But I don't even know the woman. I never got to know her. I didn't move in with her. I'm not doing life together with her. I never made her any promises. We've never had a wedding. I'm only married to this woman. She can say that all her life. And she can go around the world and buy houses in my name. She can start businesses in my name. She can do anything she wants to in my name. And it might actually work for her. She might get some good credit out of it. She might be able to buy a house. She might be able to. But at the end, I'm not married. And I don't know who she is. We have no relationship. That's how many Christians are going to face the man they call Lord at the end of their life. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get out of here. I didn't marry you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If you call me then, he says in another place, if you then call me Lord and Master, in John 13, this was to the 12. Very tender moment. Very tender moment. The last night on the earth with them. If you then call me Lord and Master, couldn't you do what I tell you to do? If you then call me husband, shouldn't we do life together? Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray as you come to do life with us and you invite us into this relationship, each one of us, this tender moment that we would give that allegiance each each one of us now would give you and only you that love and allegiance in our hearts in Jesus name I um, started asking the young men in church to start reading a scripture every Sunday. And for some reason, I forgot to prepare this Sunday, so I get to read the scripture. Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. 
jumping down to verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received... from Ephroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, I've seen it happen over and over again in, in church services, but it always continues to amaze me how how the Spirit of the Lord just brings things together and speaks through his scriptures. And uh, when I was up here before the sermon, I had actually planned to read a few verses, and, and then I thought I was supposed to wait on that. And one of those verses was one that... Uh, Bill read and is up there on the screen in First uh, Peter three verse thirteen, talking about. Uh, can you quote it? Do you know First? Do you know it offhand? I had had it up here, but uh, sanctify, yeah, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Be ready to give a reason of the hope that lies within you. Um, and I was going to read that verse and also the, the similar teaching that Jesus had in Mark chapter 13, uh, particularly in verse 10. And in that case, also, he was talking about giving an account of your life or, or sharing your testimony before men. And in, in Mark, it, it, it had to do with, you know, being brought before rulers and authorities and and speaking of of the hope that lies within you and and the scripture that that Carrie read um, with Paul's testimony touched on the same things um, in Mark 13 
uh, verse 11, and it says, when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given you in that, in that hour, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Spirit. And uh, something that um, the Lord was teaching me this week, and he brought this scripture to my mind, and also 1 Peter 3, verse 13, of, you know, and, and in this situation, it has to do with being you know, persecuted and brought before authorities. And, and, and in a lot of cases here in America, that's, that doesn't really happen. But, but how is that, that practical in, in our own lives? And there, there are plenty of places where, where that happens to Christians. But does, does that then exempt us because that is not happening in, in our lives? I don't think so. I think we have plenty of opportunity. And the Lord gave me opportunities this week and, you know, so often we can get defensive about the gospel, defensive about what we believe. And someone asks you and maybe challenges you on, on what you believe, and we can get defensive. Well, well wait a minute, you know, th- this, is, this is what I believe in Cutney. And maybe we try to shut the conversation down because we're a little bit fearful or, or, or something. But why? why? Why can we not? really just share what we believe in the hope of, of Christ in our lives. Even if someone is coming in a confrontational way, challenging us about, uh, you know, about what we believe, we should be able to share that freely, whether it's before authorities or someone challenging us about what, what we believe. Are we, are we scared about what we believe? shouldn't be so that was that was my uh, what I was challenged with this week and I felt in 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 different ways that was brought out in scriptures that both Phil and and Carrie read and it was an inspiration to me and and I pray that it is to each one of us to to go live our lives as married to Christ you know, and, and, you know, to take Phil's illustration even, you know, farther, we don't, uh, you know, I, I would be horrified if we were out in public and someone asked my wife if I was her husband and she just like you know, tried it now, well, you know, we won't, talk, we won't talk about that kind of thing. But isn't that what we do to, about our faith sometimes? Well, we'll just we'll just kind of stay away from that. We wouldn't. None of us men, or vice versa, would you know would be happy if 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 our partner would do that about us in our marriage. So let's not treat the Lord Jesus Christ that way. I don't mean to preach another whole sermon, but <laughs> that was what uh, the Lord put on my heart. So uh, once again, thank you all for coming. One more announcement I, I do have. We uh, uh, was kind of added here in in the building, and I want to make uh, note of that. We have a very well stocked library now, thanks to John and, and Sarah, and a lot of their contributions. And, and in the back room here, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of excellent books, good reading material. Feel free to look through those, take those books home with you, um, 
pass them around, read them, bring them back, what, whatever. It's, it's incredible reading material, a lot of good choices. So uh, feel free to take a look at uh, the library back there and, and make use of that as well. So, all right, that concludes our service, I believe. So let's all uh, stand to our feet. Jason, why don't you lead us in a prayer for dismissal and a blessing on our new meal, and please, everybody, stay for lunch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, uh, for your love, and uh, God, I just thank you for the time we could spend together um, as your bride, the church, and hear your word and be encouraged, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you would bless the fellowship this afternoon, Lord. I pray that uh, Jesus would be glorified. Thank you for the food. I pray you would bless it to our bodies and bless the hands that prepared it. Lord, be with us as we go about uh, this next week, Lord. Um, just continue to draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.